Come on, I know you can do better than that. Lift your hands. Glorify him, glorify him. Hallelujah. He alone today is worthy of all our praise. The song said he's a good father. You know, all too often people mistake God as a place you can go. But God is not a place you can go, but a person you can run to. That's why I said to Peter, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. There was a group many, many years ago featured on the Gaither Homecoming series called the Martins. Anybody remember the Martins? They were the brother-sister team. And they sang a song, uh, There's Not a Friend Like the Lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Aren't you glad he's a personal God? Aren't you glad he's an approachable God on today? Man, the Lord has met us here for the past several weeks in services together. So I'm ready today to preach the word of the Lord, Brother Jeff. It's been stirring in my spirit all week long. And I'm like Brother Buddy Hunt now. I love to come to church. I love to assemble with the people of God in the house of the Lord. And the Bible, the Bible tells us this. He said, David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Brother Jody, there was something special going to take place there in the gathering of the people of God. So in spite of everything that has attempted to keep us away, we are gathered here today in this place to worship the Lord. Come on. Somebody ought to give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I want to preach one verse in your presence today found in the general epistle of John. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. We all know John was a person who referenced himself as the beloved apostle, the one whom the Lord loved. And that, doesn't that say a lot? Whether you realize it or not today, you're highly favored, Wesley. You're divinely approved of God. He has great plans for your life. That's why he's, that's why he's in, allowed us longevity on the face of this planet. Are you there? 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 16 in the very presence of the Lord. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. And he who abides in God, who abides in love, abides in God. And God in him. Anybody know what the word abide means? It means to remain. Anybody that remains in love remains in God. And God in him. Can you stretch your hand to heaven and say, Father, we thank you for your anointed word. We need that same anointing to rest upon your servant this moment. As he declares your word into our hearts. Touch those who are viewing today via Facebook and listening today, Lord, via the internet, social media. Father, move upon the hearts of the congregants here today at Harvest Church. In Jesus' name I pray. His children said amen. Amen. You might be seated in the very presence of the Lord. I want to use for a subject thought today the love of God. Somebody said the love of God.
the love of God. Dallas Home actually uh, did a remix on a hymn that talked about the love of God many, many years ago. But as I began to, to read and in-depthly study, I thought, well, who better, who better to address the topic of love than John? Do you know that John was one of the last living persons to see Jesus before he ascended into heaven? It was John. He was one of the last living links to the Lord Jesus Christ. And over time, the Bible tells us he became a pillar in the church at Jerusalem after Christ ascended into heaven. You need to understand something about John. He was banished to the rocky, lonely island west of Asia Minor called Patmos. But it was there he writes to his readers in the book of Revelation, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, Brother Marty, you talk about somebody who loved Jesus. Listen, Domitian was the emperor of Rome during the time that these events took place. Nero had met his eternal destiny, and Domitian was now the emperor of Rome. And you know, the Romans loved to make sport of individuals in the Colosseum. So they placed a vat of boiling oil right there in the Colosseum and they dipped old John and guess what John lived it didn't kill him they later plucked his eyes out for his love for Jesus Christ but exiled on the Isle of Patmos he saw the glory of God hallelujah so who better to write about love than John the one Jesus loved the one who loved Jesus and loved his church. We understand others died in different forms, but John just died of old age naturally, around 100 A.D. There's something amazing about the love of God. It's not what many people think it is. Many people think that love is all about an emotion. Love is all about a feeling. Those things accompany love. That's the farthest thing from what love is. We're all familiar with what the Bible says about love. You see, God's love answers the many, 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 many questions of why in the Bible. Why did God even create all that we now see and all that we know? Why the incarnate birth? Love explains all this, Brother Eric. Why the gift of salvation? Why redemption? Offered unto man. God's love answers those questions. Because everything that God does and says, even God's anger, is nothing but love. Somebody said, I don't understand that. Well, God's anger is different than ours. The Bible said his favor lasts a lifetime, but his anger is but for a moment. You see, God don't pout and get angry and stay that way. But his is over like nothing flat. We cannot comprehend the love of God. This is why, Brother Jody, that uh, love bears a multitude of meanings. Love bears a multitude of meanings. Can I help us understand God this morning? For just a few moments, can I help us understand God? 
And I want to dive deep into understanding the love of God. Because nobody loves the way God does. Hallelujah. You see, the word love in its noun form can be taken many different ways, just like the word understanding. In its noun form, it means perception. It means comprehension. But use it as an adjective, and it means tolerant. It means forgiving. It means sympathetically aware of other people's feelings. Understanding in its adjective form means tender and sensitive. That's the kind of love that God has. Oh, my, aren't we blessed today to be loved by God? Oh, man, those songwriters back in the day, my son said, where did you get that music? I said, that was the music of my day. He said, people back then knew something about life. People back then knew something about the the way we live. They knew something about love. Hallelujah. They knew something profound about love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We all know this is the love chapter of the Bible. And in verses 4 through 8, this is the best description of love in the scriptures. For what does the Bible tell us? It says, love suffers long and love is kind. It does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. In verse number 5, you having some difficulty back there, baby? Tells us love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. This is love. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received? This is talking about love. It said love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, what's going to happen? They're going to fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. This is the Bible's greatest description of love. And the word of the Lord tells us that these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the scripture says the greatest of these is love. Love. Can you help me and understand that God knew what he was doing when he created the motion of love? Love is a powerful thing. Oh, man, we know that commonly in the Greek there are four words used for love. We know there's eros. We know phileo. We, we, we often miss this one, but the word storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, storge is another love that's mentioned within the context of the scriptures in the Greek language that means family or relationship, and it ties us to obligations through love. But the one that we're most familiar with is the agape, the selfless, unconditional love that originates in the person of God. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Can I help you with this? We are never worthy to receive God's love. God's love is a sympathetic and a gracious love. But what I love about God is how that he just doesn't talk about it in the scriptures, but he demonstrates it. Sister, he gives us examples of his love that we can clearly see and understand. One of those is found in the Bible in the book of Romans, chapter number 5 and verse 8. And what does it say? It says, but God demonstrates his love toward us. 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, my, Pastor, can you, can you expound upon that a little deeper? Yes, all it is is a continuation of John 3.16. It, it, it's that verse expounded upon, uh, explained in greater detail. Love, saints of God, is an attribute of God. What does that mean? It means it's a core trait. It's a quality that is inherent to his person. Uh, it's impossible for God not to love because the Bible says that God is love. We, we, we never have to be worthy to receive the love of God. Because how many of us understand that before Jesus came and offered his life as a ransom for the souls of all of humanity, there was nothing we could have done and still nothing that we can do that would make us worthy to receive the love of God. Not now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, can I say not ever. will be worthy, we will never be worthy to receive the love of God. Gentleman by the name of William Ames. He was an English philosopher, a preacher, and a writer. And William Ames makes this statement, I quote, The attributes of God tell us what he is and who he is. In other words, they are tied to his character. Am I right? Love is an attribute of God. It's connected to his wholesome character. His person. And every act of God is influenced by love. I know what some of you are saying. Pastor, are you, are you really serious when God um, disciplined people? When God, some of us would even use the harsh word of punishment. But isn't discipline seated in love? When you discipline your children, how many times did you hear your parents say, I'm doing this because I love you? See, now we have gotten grown and we've gotten children and we tell our children, I'm only doing this because I love you. I used to say, Mama, you ought to love somebody else. But in the end, the truth of the matter is, is that discipline is, is grounded in love. Why would I say that, Brother Timmy? Because discipline that's grounded in love is making an effort to get us on the right track, to save our life from eternal damnation, to keep us from the pit of burning hell. That's what God's love in executing discipline, is doing. How many thankful today for the love of God? And let me, let me share this with you. Any love that we have, this is deep, any love that we have can only be a response to the love that God has for us. Are you with me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Any love that we have can only be a response to the love that God has for us. I, I, I do premarital counseling and I talk to young people all the time who are just so infatuated with each other. They come in the room, they can't hardly get their eyes off each other. Ah, they are in love. Ah, but I'm so in love. The first thing I say is if you don't know God, you ain't got no idea what love is. You following? Some of y'all are tracking this morning, man. Y'all are dead on my trail. The truth of the matter is, is that the love that we have is, is nothing more than a response to the love that God has for us. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10. And here's what the Bible tells us. In this is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Somebody said, that's a big word, propitiation. What does it mean? Brother Anthony, it means the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Anybody ever broke down the word atonement for you? Amen. At one meant. That what, that's what atonement means. We know, Brother Donnie, that sin separated us from God. And we ought to understand that we can only be reconciled unto God through the shedding of blood. This was an ordinance that was set forth in the Old Testament scriptures. Brother Grover, the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. No remission for sin. So, Brother Marty, we had to be made at one with God again. How was that possible? It was only possible through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, who willingly laid down his life so that we could be reconciled to God. Boy, I'm telling you, what a blessing we share in today. What an expression. What a demonstration. Of the love of God. We use the word love so loosely. We tell people all the time, I love you. Listen how we say it sometimes. Love you. Listen, seriously. You're on the phone. You're talking to your significant other, your wife, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whomever. And before the conversation ends, love you. Did you even mean it? Did you, did you really did you really project that thought that I love you? We need to think long and hard before we tell people that we love them. Because love is a deep thing. Amen? It's deep. Billy Graham, one of the greatest American evangelists of all time, he was considered as one of the most influential People of the 20th century. And here's what Billy says. Billy said, and I quote, The Bible is a revelation of the fact that God is love. Many people misunderstand the attribute of God's nature, which is love. For God is love does not mean that everything is sweet, beautiful, happy. And that God's love could not possibly allow punishment for sin. Here's the truth. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't discipline us. Oh, pastor, are you kidding? No, I'm serious as I can be. If God didn't love us, then he wouldn't discipline us. Isn't it amazing that we can, through the revealed scripture, through the word of God, we can get a greater understanding of the love of God? It was Paul who said, I want to know what is the measure, the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of the love of God. Brother Jeff, that's impossible. Because we are finite, Brother Tommy. We are limited. But God is infinite. He has no limit. He has no beginning. He has no end. So it's impossible for us who, who begin with birth and end with death in this life to understand the love of God. We can only make an effort to. We can only take a shot at it, as someone would say. But isn't the love of God a powerful thing? Somebody say, how can I love like God? I'm so glad you asked. How can I love like God? We can love like God as we grow, as we develop, as we conform to the image of his son, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this before. Sister Abby, it bears repeating that agape love you don't fall into overnight. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's okay to love your wife. Come on, guys. That's eros. That's erotic love. That's the kind that a man has for his wife and, and, a, and a woman has for her husband. Oh, it's easy to love somebody that loves you. God knows, have mercy. It's easy to love somebody that loves you, isn't it? But how about some of those other, how about philia, how about brotherly love? The Bible said that, that, that David and Jonathan, they loved each other so much that it was as if their souls were knitted together. Tell me who can do that but God. Nobody can do that but God because we have, we have blood-related brothers who can't love like that. Oh, my somebody, that old ugly jealousy rears his head and it prohibits uh, uh, fleshly brothers that, that, that came from the same mom and dad, exist from the same gene pool. They were at odds with each other. How about Jacob and Esau? Didn't it happen? Of course it did. It fulfilled the scriptures, but nonetheless, it still happened. Our love is related to our obedience to God. Are you listening to me? 1 John 4 and 19 says it like this. We love him because he first loved us. Isn't that reciprocal? My wife, my wife had this slide up there. I want to put it back up, honey, about the little boy coming home and talking about his dog. Anybody get this? He said, ask a kid what is love. He answered, love is when a puppy licks your face. And I laughed before that little boy added, when you left him alone all day. That's love. My mama told me three things going to love you when nobody else will. She said, God, me, and your dog. That's what she said. She said, three things going to love you, boy. I'm going to love you. God's going to love you. And I guarantee you, man's best friend, your dog, he's going to love you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? We could learn a lot listening to the elders. But we love him because he first loved us. So the Bible says, how are we to love? The Bible said we're to love others the way God loved us. Whoa. Whoa. Pastor, I know you're getting ready to dive into that scripture right now where the Bible says that a man ought to love his wife and be willing to give his life for her. I know you are, but I ain't there yet. That's what some of you are pulling. The oh, wait, wait, whoa, wait a minute. But the Bible says we're to love others like God loved us. How is that possible? As we grow. We develop, we mature, and conform to the image of his son. How did Jesus love people that hated him? Because love originates in God. That kind of love only comes from God. You have to know the Lord to know that kind of love. Preach, Pastor. Amen. Oh, you stood in front of a preacher in a church full of people and you said, I love you. I love you till death do us part. That's what you said. All of us that got married did. It was either magistrate, a preacher, or some marriage chapel. But we said it. And then we run into some rocky roads in life. And it loses its value. Come on, church, this is better preaching you're responding. But how can I know that kind of love as I deeper know God? As I deeper engage in my relationship 
with the Lord. That's how that I know and experience that kind of love. You remember I talked about earlier that God didn't just say it, but he proved it. He demonstrated in acts of love. That's, that's love. That's love. So you might ask the question, does God love someone like me? Does God love someone like me? I've never seen a person God couldn't love. From the vilest of sinners, Brother Tommy, I've never seen an individual. You want to know why? Because God cannot not love. Did y'all get that? I said God cannot not love. There's no way that God cannot love. It is a divine attribute of his character. Just like he cannot lie. You tracking? He can't lie. It violates his character. Got to move on. Honey, can you find for me Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11? Philippians 2, verses 5 and 11. Through 11. Paul encourages the readers, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no, oh God have mercy, of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pastor, can you sum up what you just said? Do you want to hear something totally mind-boggling? Can I ask you that? Do you want to hear something this morning that will just blow your mind? You just read it. You just read it. What will blow your mind is that Jesus came in the world as a baby to, a, to an unassuming family. Mary and Joseph had no idea that God was going to choose them until that angel of the Lord said, Mary, thou art highly favored among all women. You're going to have a child and his name shall be called Jesus and he's going to save his people from their sins. Are you with me this morning, saints of God? You want to hear something that will blow your mind? He stepped out of heaven's glory and his majestic splendor and came to the earth and put on the flesh of a human being just like you and like me. I want you to know that he lived life just like a normal child and in his ministry he often associated with the outcast of society. Are you with me? You might find him uh, eating uh, with the tax collector. You might find him healing one with leprosy. You might find him spitting on the ground and making clay and rubbing it in a blind man's eyes that he might receive his sight. But what are you trying to tell me? What's blowing my mind is this. 
is that God confined himself into human form in order to redeem a man from the sin he was in. If that don't turn over your soul, your spoons fell out your bowl. Are you listening to me today? He disrobed of his majestic glory and splendor. He's got angelic beings that encompass the throne and day and night. Here's what they sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty and the whole earth is filled with his glory. Whoa, he took that off. He took that off. And he found a couple who were espoused to be married. And the Holy Ghost conceived his son. And he was born in a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem. No, 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 no. He didn't come in the fashion or manner that many thought he would arrive. But he came in human flesh to redeem us from sin. I'm going to give about a 10 second praise break right there. mercy somebody. Ain't you glad that he saved an old wretched sinner like you and me? I don't know how much clarity that you need revolving this issue, but I want to tell you that the death of Jesus Christ on a cross, it's a clear, transparent proclamation of the love of God that is for us. I don't know how this sets with your mindset and way of thinking, but somebody who would want to give up all the splendor of heaven to come to a sin-cursed world just to die for people who didn't love him. It says more than anything I've ever heard. More than anything. Ooh, despite the hostility, despite the enmity that we have toward God, his love didn't stop Jesus from coming to the cross. Are you listening? The love of God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 states it like this, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh my God, somebody ought to got on both of your feet and did a two-step on the enemy right there because when I was unworthy, when I was unfit, when I didn't qualify, when I didn't make the grade, when I wouldn't come from the right pedigree, when I wasn't worthy, somebody ought to stood on both your feet and said, God, I want to thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. Woo! You love me anyhow. You love me anyhow. And I need to hair lip the devil right now. He'll never stop loving you. He will never stop. Loving you. 
I don't care what lie the devil conjures up. God will never stop loving you. The Bible said, hanging on a cross, feeling forsaken by his own father, he cried, Eli, Eli, sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the Bible tells us that God couldn't look on sin. So he had to turn his back as he watched his son die. But I come to tell you today that transaction that took place on the cross of Calvary. Uh, glory to God. Amen. It cannot be reversed. Brother Andy, it can't be erased. It can't be revoked. Amen. I know today my name is in the Lamb's book of life. I belong to him. Amen. All because of the love of God. All because of the love of God. Even though I don't deserve it. Even though I am unworthy. Even though no act that I could submit would render me fit. Oh, He loves me anyhow. Yeah, he loves me. I'm trying to quit. He loves me anyhow. He didn't, he didn't have to do it. He did just because he loved me. Did you hear what Paul said to the Corinthians? He made, he who, God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. But I want to close by telling you, it's a thin line between love and hate. It's a thin line. I don't expect you under 40-year-old people in here to get this. There was a song in 1971 released by a New York-based group called The Persuaders that said it's a thin line between love and hate. This is something we can't wrap our mind around to do us good. But that's why he's God and we're who we are. Two of the most powerful emotions that God ever gave to us as human beings. Two of the most powerful emotions, Brother Eric, that we can experience are love and hate. Now, 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 listen. Some of you might say, wait, 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 Pastor. This is a, this is a contradiction. Ain't no, it just don't, you know, it just don't fit. But let me tell us what makes it clear. What makes it clear is the Word of God. What makes it clear is the Word of God. Because like God, we naturally hate things that destroy what we love. You help me if I'm not right now, Brother Tyler. We hate that death came and take our loved ones away, don't we, son? You want to know why? Because we love them. Y'all better help me. I said, don't we naturally hate things that take stuff that we love? Yes, we do. But pastor, hate is such a strong word. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong word. It is. But we need to understand something. When the Bible speaks of God's hate or God's hatred, Brother Tommy, the objects spoken of are usually sin and wickedness. Is that true? How many know God hates sin? 
Wave at me if you heard what I said. God hates sin. Take this devil, but God loves the sinner. <laughs> I said he hates sin, but loves the sinner. We can't wrap our mind around that. Honey, let's go to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. These are six things the Lord hates. Now, don't God hate more than six things? Well, yes, he does. This is just Solomon's rendition. This was Solomon's take. There are six things God hates. Yes, seven that are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one that sows discord among the brethren. Some of y'all are thinking, well, that's, that's six, seven things God hates. But let me tell you what those things involve. People. Am I right? Do those things involve people? Yes, they do. They involve people. So, sin can't be removed until the sinner accepts forgiveness that's only made possible through Jesus Christ, his son. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm tracking on this one. I, I don't know. I don't. How can God forgive a lie if they ain't a liar? I'm just saying. So do these things God hates, do they involve people? They do. They involve people. It's impossible to judge a lie without judging the person who lied. If you, if, if you know a better way, then help me. But I think it's impossible. You can't do it. So these things involve individuals. But pastor, pastor hate. I mean, you know, hate again is such a, such a strong word. But friends, we have to understand within the context that the word is written, we have to understand the meaning behind it. Let's look at Malachi chapter 1 and verse 3. Malachi 1, verse number 3. And here's what the Bible says. But Esau I have hated, and I laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Anybody know what it says the preceding verses? It talks about God's love for Jacob. We know those were two, two, they were twin boys, right? And didn't God tell their mama, there's a war going on in your womb? Didn't God tell their mama that the older is going to serve the younger? That's the Bible. I'm paraphrasing whether you receive that or not. That's the Bible. And we know this. We know the character of Esau was vastly different than the character of Jacob. But pastor, are you going to tell me that Jacob was a supplanter, that Jacob was a deceiver, deceiver, that Jacob was cunning in his act? Yes, he was. But God chose him. God chose him. Some of us will still struggle with that. We don't choose God. God chooses us. That's why that unrest is going on in that part of the world right now. Because of somebody trying to help Abraham. And because of this scenario right here with Jacob and Esau. 
That's the reason there's unrest there and will be till Jesus comes. Stand with me. I'm trying to close. Stand with me. You see, within the context of that verse in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 3, within the context of that scripture, it does not imply that God hated or greatly disliked. That's what hate means in the scriptural context. It means greatly dislikes. It means that he greatly disliked it. But it suggests this if we read the earlier verses in that, in that same chapter. It suggests that God favored Jacob more than he did Esau. Didn't the Lord still bless Esau? Have you read the scriptures? Did he not father a nation? He fathered a nation. Who were they? They were the Edomites, Brother Greg. They were the Edomites. And what did they eventually become? The enemies of the people of God. But get this. God chose Jacob. But didn't Jacob's descendants reject God? I said, didn't Jacob's descendants reject God? Absolutely. But did it, did it stop God from loving them? No. So nothing you can do today will stop God from loving you. And God is so unique. He is so unique because God can love and hate perfectly. Because He's God. That's a part of His character. I want to leave something with you. We can, we can strongly dislike something or someone without sinful intent we can so we need to understand how we apply that to our own lives there's a special need that's been brought to my attention today we want to anoint a cloth and, and we want to pray over this and I want to brag on the Lord a little bit for a minute if I can I was summoned to the hospital on this week and uh, amen family didn't know what was going on and you understand how sudden unexpected things can catch us at unawares or we would even use the word by surprise well that was the case for brother Wesley this week brother Wesley was taken to the hospital and just as soon as I got off work I met the family there but there was already a chain prayer going there was already people praying well the Lord intervened and brother Wesley's in the house of God today and I don't know about you but if that's not a demonstration of the love of God, I don't know what is. I, I don't know a better way to put it. God, does, God just doesn't talk about it. He does it. He doesn't just say it. He does it. He proves it. What a blessing it is today to know the love of God. And you say within yourself, I can't love like God. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. We can love like God as we grow, as we develop, as we conform to the image of His Son. Because I want you to know that although love can be accompanied by feelings, it teaches us that emotion is not the basis, it's not the foundational piece of love. Can I help you today? And you mark this, you underscore this in your heart. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. I make a decision to love. In spite of how bad I've been treated, I make a decision to love. Glory to the Lamb of God. In spite of all the hell I've been through, I make a decision that I'm going to love. I'm going to be like Jesus, hallelujah, who loved those who hated him. Would you lift your hands and bless the Lord in this place right now? Oh, God.
close with Luke chapter 12 and verse 30. Luke chapter 12, verse 30 tells us this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So I want to say to those of you who say today I can't love like Jesus, let me say, let me tell you this. If we are commanded, and this is what this is. This is a command. A command is an authoritative order. It's not a helpful hint. It's not a suggestion. It is an authoritative order from the highest degree. Who's telling us this in Luke 12 and 30? Jesus. This is Jesus. And somebody said, I can't love like Jesus. You know how I know you can love like Jesus? Because he gave us the capacity to love the way he loves. Did you receive that, saint of God? Lift your hand if you received that today in the presence of God. The Bible said, bless your enemies. Pray for them who curse you and despitefully use you. Wave your hand. Tell the Lord, Lord, I receive that right now in Jesus' name. And you're going to give me the love that you Father God gave me the capacity to have to love people the way you love. Come on, lift both hands if you need to and say, Lord, I want to love like you love. I want to love unconditionally. I want to love selfish, unselfishly, Lord. I want to love like you love. Father, if my enemy is thirsty, I want to give him a drink of water in the name of Jesus. If he's hungry, I want to fix him a plate of food because that's what you would do. And I want to be like you. Now before you leave this place, the ushers are in position. My wife is coming. Amen. Before you leave this place, I want you to give him a thunderous praise. Come on, like you mean it.